0: You'll find
1: us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This is a special edition. We're gonna go over the uh, USDA May report here and talk a little bit about what Sean saw happen there, if there's any really big surprises that he sees out there, and also kind of get his feedback here and what he sees happening in some markets. So, Sean, looking at this report here, anything jump out to you that was a big shocker?
2: Not really. I mean, they said Right now, record yields for corn and soybeans. Big production, big ending stocks increases. Um, I don't think anyone was surprised that we were going to get some bearish numbers today, uh, which is not unusual for May. But obviously, we got off to a, We've been getting off to a great start planting wise here, and so the USDA is going with big numbers uh, until the weather proves them wrong. Some people were surprised that Casey. A hard red winter wheat production was lower than many had thought. I would argue, how did anybody think they were going to be as strong as they <laughs> production was going to be as good as they thought? And We've had the worst weather ever, just on the planet. Um, so they claim it was a surprise. I just think it was just poor analytical work to have the number as high as it was. But nonetheless, it confirms the USDA is confirming, you know, that the rains that we've seen, which Obviously, are helpful helpful in the long run, are not helpful in the short run, and that the crops too late to rehabilitate, um, and that um, is something we talked about on your show that you know we needed someone to say, hey, uh, rains are too late to really make a difference, and the USDA definitely made that clear in the minds of the market that this crop's not going to be rehabilitated by these rains, and I think that the wheat quality board's physical crop tour which I think they're doing next week yeah, I th- or this week, or yeah, it's, it's for the next it's week. Next,
1: next week. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Next week. Um, I believe they will confirm, you know, the USDA's idea and, and, and take any illusion of grandeur that somehow these very, very good rains, you know, somehow could have saved the crop at this late stage. It really, now they happened a month ago, Casey, you know, it could have been a $2 trillion rain, you know, where you just, it came right. in too late. So, so I, I, I want to say that's, surprises is, as is much that it, it it's what the market needed for casey wheat to put some premium back onto the price relative to the to the international price and they're doing that today they're doing that today i would say the other wheat markets you know srw and um spring wheat i, I didn't really see anything in there those are just going up in sympathy for casey having a big jump today so yeah in terms of you know corn soybeans the new crop corn price is making new lows the new crop soybean crop today is making new lows so you know this was this supported why the downside has been going on and supports that you know as long as we continue to have good planting whether at least into the mid late may you know that we might see some lower prices we think it's still possible we could see a sub $12 November soybean market and a sub $5 December corn market before we price it all in they did make comment Casey about um, the corn crop in Brazil and uh, there are some that have thought that maybe because the crop was planted late and' be seeing some dry weather come in that maybe the USDA would be uh, would back off a little bit and they um, they came in strong at 130 million metric tons which would be just a, 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 t- a kind of a high end uh crop so that definitely was you know on the higher side that it could have been and um I believe the estimates were for hundred and twenty six uh so that that kind of jumped off the page for a little bit other than that, you know the argentina numbers the u s day thinks crops are better than a lot of people think, which just means they're either late to the party or maybe the market's overreacted but either way, I only see negative news here on corn and soybeans. Um, and some marginally positive news um, you know, on hard red winter wheat. Other than that, I think the trend is your friend. Um, until we kind of get planting behind us and we start moving towards following and watching the growing season uh weather play out as we get into June. So
1: Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. So while we're talking about wheat, I think that's a, a bit of a powder keg here. So you've talked about last time, uh last podcast that we did, we talked a little bit about um. What if Russia started selling wheat at a at not undercutting the market, but selling it at a at the at the quote unquote world world price, and and working through that, um, maybe taking some of those stocks that they have and reserving them back as uh, as government um, you know reserves, those kind of things, and start and start propping up that mo- propping up the market a little bit uh, from that perspective. Uh, this whole um, uh, Black Sea corridor thing and kind of hinging on whether Erdogan gets elected again or not in Turkey. And that's, that's coming up here at the end of the month. So I guess looking at wheat right now, just from a a strategic pricing and and where it's at right now, and then we're seeing world supply and those kind of things start to play into that. What are your thoughts on wheat? And do you feel like there's a big chance for, to make some big moves in wheat coming up here as we get some more information about the crop?
2: I think we have to back up a little bit. Remember that prior to this year's big export number exportation by Russia. The prior year, they had put export restrictions, which built up ending stocks, and then they had the record 105 million metric ton crop. Then they decided to unleash this wheat onto the market. Who knows if it was a deal they struck with China to do this? They needed money. Who knows? A bottom line is they've been selling a lot of cheap wheat to Turkey, to Russia, Middle East, and um, and and that has kept um, a, a leash on U.S. wheat prices. Now the crop that they're about ready to harvest is going to be. Anywhere from 80 to 85, depending on where estimate you want to believe, down from 105. That's a substantial reduction in year over year. I mean, 25, 20, 25 million metric tons of less wheat they will be producing in the upcoming year, which means they will not be able to undercut the market this coming season like they did this past season. And it looks, you know, they keep negotiating, but it looks like this. Grain corridor deal may not be extended. It may not go through, or, or the, the willingness or the ability to get grain out of Ukraine through the ports may be under significantly greater restriction, which would also reduce those numbers coming out. If, you're, if you strip that supply, which has been keeping a burden on the market, are ending stocks to usage everywhere else um taking china out of the equation you know, we're, we're sitting at 35 to 40 or lows in stocks to use being there's just not a lot of wheat out there obviously the u.s wheat crop you know for hard red or wheat is is not going to be adding anything anytime soon but we just said the, the russian wheat crop coming is way down um so it, it yeah i think if if the market starts to see that the that supplies coming out of russia ukraine are going to back away and we start seeing those cash offers coming from that region start to rise back up, then you have yourself an ability to really change the complexion of the wheat market um, and and change the price structure. Um, We sent a report out today with some technical charts, and it's been our working theory that wheat would probably be the market to bottom first in the spring, just by the way the cycle's been working. And A lot of our technical work that we sent out today does show that wheat is actually bottomed and is starting to turn up while soybeans and corn are still heading down. Um, I think corn will be next in that process, meaning I think corn can bottom out sometime, let's say mid-late May. And then I think soybeans will be the last to bottom out maybe uh, sometime in the first half of June. So I think it's going to be kind of a rolling Bottoming process for the grains, with wheat, you know, being the first one to turn up, and then and then leading the charge with the other three. So I think wheat's. I think today's report really solidifies that a low has been made in the wheat complex. Doesn't mean it's a rip roaring straight up here we go market, but it. I think this is enough to keep to 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 take the pressure off pressing wheat any lower than we've seen already. So,
1: right on. Okay. Looking over at the corn market, soybean market, those kind of things. um, I mean, looking out right now where we've got, you've you've kind of talked about this here. If you look at where we see uh, this participation, participation, precipitation, no one's participating in anything here. Uh, If you look at the precip that's fall this week, I mean, like where I'm at now, we we probably have three and a half, four inches of rain. We got more coming, Um, just incredibly dry uh, in the West. If you look at the Western part of the United States, Western half of the United States, they're getting a lot of rain, a lot of snow in the mountains, those kind of things. Um, you look down south uh, along the southern, uh, deep south states, they're getting rain too. The central Midwest, uh, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, um, they're getting some rain, but not to the same level that we're getting out here. So I guess, Sean, as you're looking at corn and soybeans right now, uh, you know, you've talked about this this week or two of being some pretty heavy uh, precip, and then you start looking at some really hot, dry temperatures coming in, and you know, you've talked about the wind here and what that looks like. I guess what are your thoughts on that moving forward, and how do you see that impacting corn and soybeans um, moving forward here?
2: Well, what you've just described is the early stage development of a central Midwest trough, or I mean, ridge is what you're describing, meaning that we're not getting the rains a little bit, but the rains are on the outside, right? Yeah. The South, Texas, Kansas, Nebraska, the Dakotas, and it's not—it's—it's it's it's getting cut off in the Canadian prairies are dry as a bone up there. So, so it's kind of like a ridge is starting to set up in the central grain belt. Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Southern Minnesota, Northern Missouri, the area that has not participated. So the areas that have, have not been able to drop by a drop of rain for the last several years are actually gonna, I think, could be the garden spots this year or you know be the ones that have the the, the very exciting crops where that central corridor gets into trouble. And I think that's we've talked about this for a while now. That this is kind of what we think is going to start setting up here as we get to mid-May. Now, now, hot, warmer weather, drier weather in mid-May is actually fantastic to take this some of this rain we've just gotten and just l- take those fifty million roll planters and get the crop all planted and, and just get her done. And so that's bearish. That's super <laughs> bearish to get this crop all done. So that's still going to be bearish uh into mid late may but too much of a good thing will start to worry the market once we get into the june growing season so so i think which what what i'm what i'm kind of looking at is the last vestiges of bearish planting which is going to still pressure the market for a little while longer we've been talking about this but that if this trend of drier central wetter periphery continues to be the cycle and we start putting the heat on as we typically do in June and July, and we particularly put the heat on in late June to late July during pollination for corn, you know, you could be setting up for some significant reductions in your best yielding ground in the Midwest. Um, You know, if if Iowa goes, if top areas of Iowa go to 350 bushel, 350 bushel per acre corn to 250 bushel per acre, most people in the world say, my gosh, 250 is phenomenal but not for Iowa and you lose hundred bushel to the acre, yep. you know, I'm just throwing a number out there, you know, and, 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 uh, from some of the best ground out there uh, even though the West could be like phenomenal, it's compared to Iowa, the average gets skewed way, way down. And yes. that's why the last couple of years we've had devastation. Pretty good. Devastation. Pretty good. And so we've been in the low one seventies. You know, a little off, but not too bad. But if you get devastation here and really good crops here, now you're talking about something like, you know, depends how broad, but, I mean, it, it, you, you would be talking about something, you know, considerably below the low 170s, you know, low 160s, yeah. low 150. I mean, you'd be looking at something considerably if you really took that area and you put 100-degree heat, high winds, uh Rainfall, the 2012 style, 88 style, 83 style into that region and you and you knock those yields way off. There's just no way to compensate it anywhere else. So I, you know, that's what we believe, what our work suggests is an elevated risk. Right now we have everyone believing you know, linear weather's coming, cool wet weather the whole way. With the US came out today, confirmed all systems go. But if that is not correct. Or if the market feels it that that perfect weather condition isn't going to play out we actually start developing a drought cycle in the wrong area, there is going to have to be a very um, sobering uh, reversion of these short, uh, speculative shorts that have come into the market. And they're going to have to put some weather premium back in and could be substantial weather premium back in if this weather scenario. Remember, I'll never say that no month. Is it Doesn't matter, but June really does not matter that much. We've seen some of the hottest, driest Junes on record, and if July is good, it doesn't matter. The crops are phenomenal. June is kind of a setup month. It's where the market is setting up the weather pattern. So I wouldn't be get too excited about the June weather pattern. But what I where I'm going to be looking for, and what I want to be, what I'd be getting excited about, is if the June Weather Pattern is setting up a permanent ridge for the July pollination season, because that's the only way you really get the corn crop in trouble. You're not going to have it by having a hot, dry June. Quite frankly, you're not going to have a really bad crop if you have a hot, dry August. It'll take some, some yield off, don't get me wrong, but you need to get July in big trouble. Hot, 100 degrees, failed pollination, all that sort of thing. So that's what we're going to be looking for. I think this weather pattern this spring is supporting of that uh, of that, but for the moment, for at least another two or three weeks, though, it is a bearish force still because it means all those acres are going to get planted with enough moisture. They're going to come out looking good and strong, and everyone's going to look at those crops. And when the U.S. State comes out with their first crop ratings, they are going to go wow look how beautiful that stuff looks unbelievable you know that's that's what we're going to see so that we have to trade fully trade that and i'm not i don't think we've quite traded that yet uh obviously today the usda came out with this big safrina corn crop it's not done yet half the crop still has to pollinate but um there we have it so
1: right on okay sean well i think it's a good place to stop. Good stuff as usual, folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at Hack and Financial. What's the best way to do that?
2: Our website is hackett, h a c k e t t advisors.com. Uh, we also have a Twitter page, Faridex, F e r i d e x 11, and we also have a LinkedIn page. And from time to time, we put on their interviews with you and others that kind of go over our weather work, our cycle work, statistics, uh, capital flows, and, and how we go about the basis of making our recommendations to our farmers and producers. So
1: all right, Sean. I well, appreciate you being the podcast, man. Thanks for taking yeah. time to talk about this report.
2: Thanks, Casey. Really I always enjoyed it. It was good.
1: Right on, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at moving iron LSC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and uh, go over to see the video version of this over on the YouTube channel. Try to get this live, folks. I apologize, but had a bunch of technical problems getting it going. So I just had to bail and go with the good old fashioned recorded version. So we'll look forward to seeing that up here in a little bit. So uh, anything moving iron related, go to You Get all the info- information from the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Um, all the information is there. If you're one of the first 150 people to sign up, you get a $50 discount from the folks at So Take advantage of that. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour. We're Sean Hackett. It's going to be smart folks. Out.
0: see